So this month, we've been walking through some of the Psalms, and we've been talking about how do we, in the midst of a bunch of chaos that's going on around us, how do we find the ability to breathe, right? How do we find that ability to not get consumed by everything that's happening around us, whether it's the deadlines or whether it's school and the, the work and the homework and all the different things that come with that, the traffic, the, the different things that begin to build up in our life at this time of year, how can we not get overwhelmed by that and how can we continue just to, to breathe in the midst of it? And what we've said is this, we believe that it's developing a few habits in our life, right? It's beginning to try some different things in our life that helps us be able to just take a deep breath in the midst of everything that's going on. Some of those have been practicing the presence of God, realizing that God is with us 24-7. And we know that he is there all the time, but a lot of times we're not fully aware of the fact that he is there all the time. And we want to become more aware of that so that we can see what he's doing in our lives. So we need to practice that presence. We talked about the word of God being essential to everything that we do and making that opportunity to, to get alone in his word and to begin to read it and to allow it to speak directly to our hearts because it's truth and it has the truth to change everything about our lives. Last week, we talked about the need to hang out and talk with God, right? Through prayer and to be able to, to realize that we have the greatest opportunity to be able to talk to the creator of the universe. He's not some distant person who we do not know, but he's someone who we've been fully connected to, who knows every detail about our life, who knows everything that is going on, and he desires this relationship with us. And we get the opportunity to do that through a consistent understanding of our need for him and being able to come to him and share with him, having confidence that God is gonna work on our behalf. And being able to do that has been tremendous in our life. All of these these things help us breathe, right? They, they help us to understand, okay, I can get through this. I can get by. I understand what's going on. Not only can I get by, I can thrive in the midst of it. But here's what I would bet this morning. I bet there's some of us that we've been practicing these things. We've been trying these things and we still feel like we're becoming overwhelmed by everything that's going on around us. And we're going, hey, look, I've, I've remembered occasionally that God's with me. And when I remember that, you know, I, I I, I try to become aware of it and understand it. I, I'm, I'm making time for God's word. I'm, I'm allowing it to, to kind of speak to my heart. I'm reading a verse. I'm reading a chapter. I'm doing something where I'm trying this. Man, I, I'm praying. I'm, I'm doing everything I know to do. But in reality, I'm still struggling to breathe. 
I'm still struggling to, to see a difference with anything that's happening in my life. And so this morning, I want us to look at Psalm 1. Psalm 1, the very first Psalm, because here's what I want us to see this morning. I want to talk about meditation, right? Meditating on the Word of God, because here's what I believe. Meditation on the Word of God brings transformation for the child of God. Meditation on the Word of God is going to bring transformation for the child of God. Meditation is the thing that begins to activate everything else that's happening in our walk with Christ. And understanding these disciplines and these habits that we're forming in our life, it's when it becomes real to us because we've meditated on it and we've allowed it to speak directly to us. And that's what I want us to look at this morning in Psalm chapter one. We'll begin here in verse one, we'll read through it and then we'll come back and talk about it for a few minutes. The psalmist tells us this, he says, how blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, nor stand in the path of sinners, nor sit in the seat of scoffers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. He will be like a tree firmly planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither, and in whatever he does, he prospers. The wicked are not so, but they are like chaff, which with the wind drives away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for the truth of your word this morning. And God, I pray that as we spend some time together and just kind of diving into this, Father, that we would begin to see our own lives this morning. And Father, we need to, to realize where we have missed it, where, where we have fallen into the trap and, and Father allowed other things to begin to speak into our lives. And those are the things that we're thinking about. Those are the things that we're dwelling on instead of your truth and instead of your life and who you are and what you desire for each one of us. So Father, I pray this morning that uh, whether we're here without a relationship with you, thinking that we can do life on our own and everything's gonna be just fine, or Father, whether we've surrendered everything to you, but God, things really haven't changed, that you'd speak directly to us this morning. And Father, that we would truly see this activation take place in our lives so that we could begin to breathe the way that you've designed us to, the way that you desire us to. So speak to our hearts this morning, Lord. We ask it in Jesus' name, amen. You know, a lot of us, if we're saying this morning, you know, I, I've tried it. It's just not working. It's not clicking. I don't know what I'm missing out on. I'm doing everything you're telling me to do, but for some reason, I'm not seeing transformation. I'm not seeing a lot of these things happen. Well, look back what the psalmist says here in verse one, because the psalmist is going to tell us in Psalm one, verse one, this, he says, how blessed is the man? He's going, let me, let me just start out by telling you something. Do you want to be blessed? Do you want to be prosperous? Do you want to be favored? Do you want to be one of God's happy people, right? This is a desire, I think, for all of us is to be blessed, is to be favored and to prosper in the things that we're doing. And he says, listen, well, how blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, 
Basically, the psalmist is starting us out by telling us this. Listen, you, you can be in the word of God. You can be reading it. You can be uh, praying to God. You can acknowledge the fact that he is here, that he is always here. But here's the deal. Until the truth of God's word gets imprinted on your heart, and until you start living by God's principles instead of this world's principles, nothing is going to change for you. And I believe that's what's happened inside the church is that we, we do the little thing and we go, check, check, everything should be transforming in my life. But here's the problem. We're still doing things the world's way. We're still allowing this culture to shape us. You remember what Paul said over in Romans chapter 12? He said, do not be conformed to the pattern of this world. What he meant there was this, don't just fit in. Don't just go along to get along. Don't just look for the easy path in life because that's what everybody else is taking. But he said, but you be transformed, changed, right? Metamorphosis, changing into something else by the renewal of your mind. Then you'll begin to understand God's word his perfect plan for your life. And I think what we've done in the church is this, that we want to check the box. We want to do the things we're supposed to do. And in the morning, I'll say a little prayer. And in the morning, I'll read God's word. But then when I leave my house, I walk into everything else that this world has to offer. And I'm living by the principles of this world. He says, listen, the only way this is going to change for you is if you stop walking in the counsel of the wicked. If you stop listening to the people around you and taking their advice, doing those different things, he goes on to say this, nor stand in the path of sinners. What he's saying is this, the people you're standing with, the people you're hanging out with, the people you're congregating with, basically here's the deal, you're participating with them in the things that are happening in this world. Because you've fallen for those principles that you know what, life is about success and life is about climbing the ladder and it's about making sure you get your next step and you get what's yours, you get what's coming to you. It doesn't matter. You live by these rules, you play by these rules and then here's the deal, you find yourself in the same situations. You find yourself standing with those same people and you're participating in the things that they're participating in and it has never been God's plan for your life to be participating in those things things that you found yourself in the middle of, and you're saying, this stuff doesn't work. I'm not breathing the way that I'm supposed to be breathing. It hasn't brought transformation to my life because I'm still living by a different standard, and I'm still participating with the people and around the people and the things that I know do not honor God and bring God glory. He says, be careful because what's going to end up is this, nor sit in the seat of the scoffers. In this day and age when they would come to teach, whoever it was teaching would sit down. And, and everybody would gather around them to be able to listen to the things that were being said. And what the psalmist is saying here is, listen to me very, very careful. What happens is this, you want to be prosperous in life. You want to be successful in life. You want to be happy in life. So here's what you do. You buy into their system and you start doing things their way. And ultimately, you become one of their teachers. And that's basically how we live our life. We think, hey, I can take both paths and be just fine. I can do the church thing and I can do the work thing. I can do the church thing and I can do the world thing. And I can take both of these paths and everything's going to be just fine in my life except for the fact that you can't. The psalmist understood that. The psalmist knew that. And I think that's the biggest problem inside of the church today is that we think everything's going to be fine and we can play this thing from both sides. But we can't. Something has to 
change. And remember what I said, it's meditation on the word of God is what's going to bring transformation for the child of God. So the psalmist goes on to tell us this in verse two. He says, listen, that's not the way that I want you to live, but his delight, you, you want to be blessed, you want to be favored, prospered? His delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law, he meditates day and night. His delight is in the law of the Lord, and on the law of the Lord, he meditates day and night. So the idea here that I want us to, to kind of play with this morning and look at is, how do we truly do biblical meditation, right? How do we take the word of God and meditate on it day and night the way that God's desire is for each one of our lives so that we can activate transformation to take place in our life? How can we see those things happen? Because here's what happens in today's world, right? We hear the word meditation and there are so many things that begin to spring into our mind. Right? Immediately for me, when I hear meditation, I think, great, I've got to go get a yoga mat. Right? And I'm going to roll my yoga mat out on the floor. And I'm going to take all 280 pounds of me. And I'm going to sit down in the floor Indian style. And I'm going to cross my legs. And I'm going to bend into positions that I have never, ever been humanly possible to bend into. Right? I would do it for you right now, but somebody would have to come pick me up off the ground. Right? We, we think that here's what we do. We, we sit cross-legged, we, we lay our hands out on our knees, and we clasp our fingers together because this is what we are called to do. And we lay them on top of our legs, and then from that point, we begin to hum. Possibly a Gregorian chant, if you know one. Right? You, you've got one in the background somewhere, and you're just like, Hum, Burger King's not a real whopper, right? I mean, whatever it is that you want to holler, whatever it is that you want to say, whatever it is you want to do, here's the deal because we think it's this Eastern mysticism kind of a thing, which they are all about in the Eastern mysticism is, is reaching a point of enlightenment. The idea is as you are calming yourself, as you are centering yourself, what you're doing in meditation is you're clearing out your mind. You're removing everything that is there ultimately with the idea that by doing this, you're now open to receive new truth. You're open to enlightenment. It's able to take you to a whole nother plane that you've never been able to find and never been able to get to, right? Biblical meditation is not that at all. Because biblical meditation is not about us finding nothingness out there. And going, hey, when I found nothingness, I found something. No, it's not about nothingness. It's about someone. And it's about taking his truth. And it's about taking his life. And it's about bringing those things into our mind and going, God, what are the biblical principles we're called to live by? What are the things that you're wanting to see in my life? What is it that you're wanting to do in my life? Because, Father, what I'm wanting more than anything else is to be here with you. So how do we do that? What's, what's the process to this whole thing really taking off and really experiencing biblical meditation in our life? Let me just say, very, very simply, I just want to give you three things to biblical meditation for us to be able to understand it. Number one is this. It starts when we read the Word of God. It, it starts by taking God's truth, and this may be the, the simplest part of it, 
right? It's taking God's truth and we're reading God's truth. Well, Jay, didn't we talk about that a couple of weeks ago? Yes, we did talk about that a couple of weeks ago. But here's typically what we do. Whatever time of the day that you get alone with God and you begin to read his word, some of you are early risers, right? Had a buddy of mine one time that said, man, every morning at 5 a.m. I am up and I am alone with God. And I looked at him and I said, man, that's two hours before he gets up. Why in the world would you get there at 5 a.m., right? I mean, I'll tell him hello when I see him at about 1030, right? Because that's just kind of the way that I kind of roll and work. I'm not an early morning person, right? Maybe you are, and that's the time you get alone with God. You find the time to when it's right for you. I need a couple of cups of coffee and a full throttle before I'm able to even have a coherent conversation with anybody, much less with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And so I get in the Word of God and I begin to read the Word of God. But here's what we do. Here's what we mainly do. We read God's Word, we close the Bible, we say our little prayer, we say amen, and we're gone. And we don't really give it a whole lot of thought after we've read it. Well, let me ask you something. Sometimes we read a passage so familiar, oh yeah, I got that one. I understand that. I know that. That's not a big deal. Great. I'm loved. Wonderful. That's great. Today I'm going to go out and everything's going to be fine. But let me tell you something. Meditation is not only reading the Word of God, but the second thing is this. It's reflecting on the Word of God. It's allowing the Word of God to come back up from time to time as we go about through our day. And really the picture of meditation is one of a cow. And some of you probably know this because you're very scientific and understand all the wonderful things, but there are four different ways that a cow digests its food, right? He has like one stomach, but it has four different compartments. And so what happens is when a cow eats to begin with, eats the grass, eats the things that are there, he will swallow that into the first part of his stomach. But then later on, he regurgitates that back up. Isn't that a beautiful sight? right? He, he kind of burps it out, really is the technical way that they talk about it in farming. And he gets it back up into his mouth and then he begins to chew. I know we don't have a ton of cows that are around here, but next time you see a cow, you ever look at them and they look like they're chewing gum, right? I mean, like they got a big old wad of hubba bubba in their mouth. That's what they're doing. They're bringing it back up and they're chewing on it some more because they know there's more nutrients left there. And they haven't gotten everything out of it yet. Their body won't be able to digest it unless they do this. And then it goes into their third stomach where water and everything is added and then ultimately goes into their fourth part of their stomach. That's the picture of what God's telling us in his word when he says, listen, I want you to meditate on the law of God both day and night. I want you to be thinking about it. I want it to really impact your life in such a way that it grabs hold of you and then you begin to reflect on that thought all day long, all day long. This week I was in Philippians 4 and I got to Philippians 4.19. And I had been kind of praying and saying, God, you know, there's a lot, of, a lot of things that are going on right now in my life. There are a lot of things that I need. And God, I'm overwhelmed by all these different things that are out there. There's things that are happening in our church. There's things happening in my own family. God, I just feel like with things that are going on with my master's work as I'm at school. And I'm like, God, I just feel like there's so many things and there's no way I'm ever going to be able to accomplish this. So then I get into my time of reading God's word and I come across Philippians 4.19, which said this, it said, my God will supply all of your needs according to his riches in Christ Jesus. 
You get a verse like that and the first thought is, God, thank you. Thank you that you're affirming that to me, that you are going to supply all of my needs. You know every single need that is there. But here's the thing. I could slam the word of God shut and I could go on and go, okay, God's got this. Everything's going to be fine. Or I can reflect on that throughout the day and go, God, what do you mean? What what do you mean when you tell me that you're going to supply all of my needs according to your riches in Christ Jesus? Does that mean that you're going to take care of everything that's wrong right now? You're going to pay off every bill that I've ever had. You're going to give me the best car. I'm going to finally get that $800,000 house that I've been longing for, I've been looking for. God, you are everything to me, and you're going to take care of every need I've ever had. See, I could close the Bible, I could walk away, and that could be my thought, and it would lead me down a direction that has nothing to do with intimacy with a Savior who loves me. And he says, listen to me, I want you to understand something. In my riches, through my son, I am taking care of everything that you're going to need. And so as the day went on this past Wednesday, I just started reflecting. I said, well, God, what does that mean? What what does it mean that you're going to supply all of my needs according to your riches in Christ? And God took me over to John 3, 16, and he said, well, Jay, here's the greatest need you've ever had. It was a savior. It was something you couldn't do on your own. And let me tell you something, I used my son to pay that price for you. I've provided for your greatest need. And then throughout the day, he would continue to show me things and bring things to me. And I I just started jotting down, right? I pulled out my little note on my iPhone and I began just to jot down all these things that I had. And I said, God, here's the needs that I see in my life. Here are the things that I feel like are out of my control. Would you show me which ones you're going to handle and which ones you're going to take care of and which ones are really no need at all? Because, you know, a lot of times there are things that I think I need that God says, you don't need that. And how am I going to know that unless he reveals it to me? See, I got to read the word of God. I got to reflect on the word of God. And then number three is this. I've got to replace the current thoughts that I have with the truth of God's word. Second Corinthians 10, five tells us this, that we're to take every thought captive in obedience to Christ Jesus. We're to take every thought. So here's the deal. Anywhere there's been a principle in my life that I'm living by that is this world standards and not the words standard, then I need to replace that thought with the truth of God's word. I need his principle to be the guiding factor behind everything in my life. Areas that I'm participating in where I'm standing in the place of sinners and I'm congregating, I'm doing what they're doing. I need to replace that thought with the truth of God's word. Reflect upon it, understand what he's saying, understand what he wants to do, and then replace that thought with something brand new. I need to make sure that I'm not sitting down and comfortable with everything that's going on around me, but I'm only sitting down and comfortable with the truth of God's word and who he is. You know, there are times that it may take a day for God to reveal something to you. There are times it may take a year for God to reveal something to you. A couple of weeks ago, I was talking with one of our... uh, guys that attends the 930 service and we were kind of face to face hanging out and I just said, what's God telling you? And he pulled out his phone and he went to his notes and he showed me and I swear we were there for like 20 minutes and he just kind of kept scrolling and kept scrolling and I said, well, how many, how many thoughts is God revealing to you right now? And he said, one. And I said, well, what's the thought? And he said, abide. 
He said, he's got to teach me how to abide. I don't know how to abide in him. And, and he's replacing the things in my life that I thought were what I needed, the things I thought I really wanted. He's replacing those with the truth of his word and showing me what it means to abide in him. See, the reason we haven't experienced transformation, church, is because we haven't been taking meditation really seriously. And we haven't gotten alone with God in his word and spent the day reflecting on it, allowing it to pop back up into our mind, allowing us to chew on it a little bit more and say, God, what do you mean? What do you mean? Show me what you mean. Listen, it's a whole lot easier for us to try the world standard, which is this, just go stand around the office, you know, water tower. And say, hey, what would you do in this situation? What do you think about this situation? How would you handle this? Listen, it's so much easier to pick up the phone and call somebody else than it is to get on your knees and go to the Word of God. But the problem is we're missing out on what it is that God wants to do in our life because we're not taking the time to chew on it, to soak it in, to let it be the very air we breathe. It's a long process, but listen to me, it's so worth it. You know why? Because here's what God says. He goes, let me show you the promise. Let me show you what I want to do for your life if you will allow meditation to become an essential part of your life. Look at what he says here in verse 3. He says this. He says, he will be like a tree firmly planted by streams of water. Here's what he's saying. You know what? If you will practice meditation, if you'll practice the truth of my word and let it apply to your lives, listen to me, you will be fed forever. You're going to be fed. I love that. Don't you love that term? We, we use that in Christian circles all the time. Man, are you being fed at your church? Or are you being fed by this? Or are you being fed by that? What does the word of God tell us? It tells us this, that if we will meditate on the word of God, both day and night, morning and evening, will let its truth penetrate our heart. Here's what he's saying. You will forever be fed. Man, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to show you things. I'm going to reveal myself to you. I'm going to reveal things to you about my plan and my purpose for your life. You will never go hungry when you pursue me and you thirst for me. The problem is we think it's somebody else's job to feed us. In our maturity, in our walk with Christ, we've never grown up. We've never sat down and gone to the table or gone to the kitchen and go, hey, listen, I need to prepare a meal. I need to cook some food. So here's what we do. We go to church and we let someone else who's prepared a meal feed us the meal. And then we walk out and say, either I was fed by that this morning or I wasn't fed by that this morning. We depend on other people to feed us when God's going, I am the source of everything you're ever going to need. Let me be the one to feed you. Several weeks ago now, we put up these two new trees right there on the other side of our overhang. And I don't know if you guys have noticed it, and you'll never forget it now as you walk by it, but there's these bags that hang off from around those trees. And when we first planted those trees, everything in me went, would somebody please take the plastic off the new trees we put in front of the church? Just remove it. Somebody just needs to cut that away. Do I need to go cut that away? But here's what I found out. What those are is they're, they're like water sacks. And so occasionally what has to happen is water has to be poured into these things that are around the tree and then it seeps out from around the bag and it feeds the plants. And that tree begins to grow now because of the water that's around it. You know what I think, church? I think we've become comfortable being those kind of trees rather than a tree that's firmly planted by streams of water. 
We've been happy with someone else putting some water in the bag and us just getting a little bit of something from it and hoping to survive instead of being the tree that's planted by streams of water, which God says, I want to feed you all day long. I want this to radically change your world. But you've got to meditate on my word. It's got to be truth in your life. And until it is, you're going to continue to fall away and it's never going to click for you. You're always going to be fed. Number two, he says this, which yields its fruit in the season. You're always going to be fruitful. Here's what happens, right? If meditation on the word of God brings transformation for the child of God, you'll begin to see different things happen in your life. You'll begin to see a transformation in the character, in the way that you respond, in the way that you act. You'll start understanding something. Man, all of a sudden, I really do love my spouse. And I'm not keeping score of how many times that I've done great things for her and she's not responded the other way. Or I've done great things for him and he's not responded in kind to me. It's like, you know what? I love them. I love them. You'll notice that when you get behind the wheel of a car, you're kind of kinder and gentler than you were before. I don't honk the horn as much as I did before. I don't hang out the window and tell everybody they're number one as much as I did before. I don't let somebody who cut me off in the middle of the church parking lot have a what for anymore. Why? Because there's fruit in my life. Because I've got a peace. I'm, all of a sudden, I'm patient. All of a sudden, there's some gentleness. And I'm going, I don't know where this came from. Can I tell you where it came from? It came from meditating on the Word of God. It came from allowing him to be the one that is feeding you day in and day out as you reflect on his word and you replace the junk that you had thought about in your head with the truth of God's word. Your life becomes fruitful. And then what is he going to say there in the end of verse three? He says, his leaf does not wither and in whatever he does, he prospers. Here's the deal. He said, listen, if you start meditating on the word, you apply the truth, you let it radically transform your life, you will not fail. You're going to be prosperous in life. You're going to be successful in life. You've got a choice. Now here's the choice. The choice is simply this. Am I going to believe God at his word? Am I going to realize that I can't keep doing life the way that I've been doing it and I've got to be completely surrendered to him so that his truth gets activated in my life and so that I can experience the promises that he has for me? The promise to put me right there on a stream. The promise for there to be fruit. The promise for my leaves not to wither. The promise that, you know what, everything that I'm going to do prospers. It's all activated by meditating on the word of God and it's your choice this morning. But here's what I want you to know. If you choose not to, the opposite part of this verse is what happens for you. You're going to keep living by the principles of this world. You're going to keep letting this world define who you are. You're going to keep participating in those things. You're going to keep sitting in the seat of scoffers and you're just going to say, you know what? This is really all about life. This is what it has and this is what it has to offer. But look at what it says here in verse 4. It says, the wicked are not so. There's, there's no blessing that comes from that. But they are like chaff, which the wind drives away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. It's very clear this morning. We're either driven by the truth of God's word 
and transformed by the power inside of it, or we're living by a system that has nothing to do with him, and in the end, it's going to lead us to perish. What do you want? Do you want to be able to breathe in the midst of everything that's going on right now in life? In the midst of the chaos? In the midst of the struggle? The only way you breathe is surrender your life to him. And to allow him to work his truth into your life. So that he becomes everything to you. And you begin to meditate on his word. So that you can be transformed by it. If you don't know him this morning, listen, don't leave here without him. Because doing life your way is only going to lead to death apart from him. But doing life his way leads to life and breath in him alone. Will you stand to your feet? Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your truth this morning. We thank you for the fact that it's meditation on your word, Father God, that leads to transformation in your child. Lord, if there's anyone here this morning that does not know you in these next few moments, Lord, are critical for them to be able to acknowledge that, to Father, to step out from wherever it is that they've been sitting and where they're standing right now, walk to the back to one of our volunteers and just say, hey, today I'm done doing life my way and I want to surrender everything to him. Listen, we want to celebrate that fact with you this morning that you're stepping from death to life in a brand new relationship with Christ. But here's what I also know. I know there's some believers in the room that you've been doing three out of four, and today it needs to be activated in your life. And I just pray that while we're singing, whether you need to kneel at this altar, whether you need to stay at your seat, would you just confess that to him this morning? Would you confess that you're in desperate need of his truth to radically transform your life and that you would begin to meditate on that here in the days ahead? Father, we love you. We give you this time now. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.